Our scripture reading this morning comes from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Hear the word of the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in prayer. Lord God, we give you thanks for drawing us into your presence this morning. Whether we gather here physically in these pews or we are online, we are united one in spirit because of your son, Jesus Christ. God, I ask that you would help us to settle in to put away the things that tend to pull our attention away from you and to just be present with you this morning. Send your spirit, Lord, soften our hearts, open our ears, so that we could hear your word fresh and new this morning. May we be challenged by it, built up by it, encouraged through it. May we be drawn into a closer relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray these things in his awesome name. Amen. So just a few weeks ago, my family went on an amazing vacation. From petrified forest, Mesa Verde, and Black Canyon of the Gunnison, to arches and canyon lands, we explored, we hiked, we camped in our tent most of the way. I was so excited to camp again with our two-year-old. And this isn't an illustration about camping with a two-year-old being a bad decision. She loves it. She's a great sleeper. If anything, it might be an illustration about not camping in August in all of these places that never go under 100 degrees. But it was great. I was so excited to be unplugged in nature, just the three of us, cooking over an open fire. But then it quickly set in. A meteor shower of what ifs. What if a bear comes into our tent site? Do I fight the bear? Do I play dead? It depends on what color. How do you identify in the middle of the night? Do we grab the truck keys and set off the alarm? What if that happens? What if one of us slips off the ledge of a hiking trail? What if I get lost? What if we get sunburned? If you hadn't already guessed it, I tend to be a bit anxious. I'm not alone. Stress and anxiety are the diagnoses of the day in our culture. According to one research program, anxiety-related issues are the number one mental health problem among women, and are second only to alcohol and drug abuse among men. 
Even our students, our youngest, are feeling it. When I speak to students, their parents, or youth workers of any kind, they often cite the mounting stress and anxiety students face. We cannot underestimate how unique this generation is in comparison with others. As people list the reasons anxiety is off the charts, from finances to health concerns, psychologists and researchers often point to the fact that our world has changed more in the last 30 years than in the last 300. It's a faster world. Nobody has ever been able to go as fast as you and I can in our cars or in airplanes and also in our communication. There's hardly a place we can go where we're not getting news and input, and oftentimes the news is not good news. While anxiety may be more prevalent today, it's nothing new. Even the Apostle Paul addresses it in his letter to the Philippians. He tells them, be anxious for nothing. Really, Paul? Really? My husband and I do that to each other. If we don't agree with something, really? That's what, that's what we would say to Paul. For nothing? Clearly you don't understand or else you would not say that, Paul. But when Paul writes, be anxious for nothing, he does not mean never feel anxiety. The way it's constructed in Greek more closely reads as, do not allow yourself to be perpetually anxious. Don't allow yourself to slip into a mindset of never-ending anxiety. Anxiety will always be knocking at the door for some of us. We just don't have to allow it to move in and unpack its bags. Now, thankfully, Paul gives us a really practical tool in this scripture passage, a tool that we can use to deal with those anxious moments. And interestingly, it starts with a call to praise God. Paul writes, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. He uses every tool in the box on this verse to get our attention. First, he uses a verb tense so we would hear it. He says, continually, habitually rejoice. And then if that isn't enough, he removes the expiration date. Rejoice in the Lord always. And then, as if he's talking to me directly, and I got a thick skull, and it's not setting in, he says, again, I will say rejoice. So how do we do this? Well, first, by recognizing the sovereignty of God. I find out that the most stressed out people, including myself, are the ones who try to control the most. I just made some enemies, didn't I? The more we try to control the world, the more we realize we can't. Life becomes a cycle of anxiety and failure. But when we recognize heaven has an occupied throne, we allow God to be in control. God calms our fears, not by removing the problem, but by revealing God's divine power and presence in all circumstances. Our anxiety decreases as our understanding of God's sovereignty increases. Last week, I shared with you a phenomena about target fixation, and the same applies to this. The next time you feel worry and anxiety welling up, fix your eyes on God. 
Rejoice in the Lord's power, in God's authority. Rejoice in what God has accomplished. Rejoice that God is able to do what you cannot. So celebrate God. The next thing Paul says is to ask God for help. He continues, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So you can turn to God at any moment. God never places you on hold or tells you to just call again later, I'm busy. God loves the sound of your voice. God doesn't hide when you call. God hears your prayers. But why present them to God at all? Some of us might be asking that. What's the purpose when God already knows what I'm going to ask? Well, prayer is actually for our benefit as well. It allows us to act in faith on what we know about God's character. When we pray in specific ways for the particulars of our problems and we see God respond in specific ways, our faith will grow. We come to trust that God will always be there for us, even in the midst of the most anxiety-producing moments. Prayer is simply a conversation with God. You place your anxieties in God's hands and remind yourself of the promises that God makes to us in Scripture. So ask God for help and be specific. You can say, God, I have a meeting at 2 p.m. and I'm nervous, but I know that your word says you're with me always. So clear the path for this meeting. Help me to speak clearly. Not only do we present those requests to God through prayer, we also give God thanks. Gratitude helps us to take the focus off of ourselves and put it onto God. It's actually a powerful weapon and an arsenal against anxiety because it leads us out of the land of if only and into the realm of already. An anxious heart says, Lord, if only I had this and that and the other thing, but a grateful heart says, Lord, you've already given me this and that and the other thing. Thank you. I'm going to be okay. Treat each anxious thought with a grateful one. So first we praise God, then we ask God for help, and then this is the hardest one of all. I don't do it well. We leave it with God. Mm-mm, don't like it. I want to keep it. We leave it with God. Sailors could tell you about the perfect storm. Not perfect in the sense of ideal, but perfect in the sense of combining factors. All the elements work together to create a horrible disaster. The winds alone would be a challenge, but the winds plus the cold plus the rain, it's the perfect recipe for a perfect storm. Now, you don't need to be a sailor to experience a perfect storm. Just this past season, I went through one myself. We left everything following God's call to move here from Pennsylvania. We left everyone we knew. And within a few short months, my dad passed away. And then a few months later, I had a miscarriage. It was a perfect storm. 
you undoubtedly have faced a perfect storm in your lifetime too. A layoff plus a recession, an illness plus a job change, a relationship breakup plus a career rejection, a sudden loss plus an unforeseen event that threatens your future. Individually, any one of these things feels like too much, but collectively, they're absolutely unbearable. It's enough to make you wonder, will I even get through this? And Paul's answer to that question is as profound as it is concise. When you present your request to God with thanksgiving, Paul says the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. In other words, as you do your part and release your worry to God, allow God to do God's part by giving you perfect peace. You should be worried, but you're not. You should be upset, but somehow you're calm. The peace of God transcends all logic and scheming and efforts to explain it. So now that we've rejoiced with God, we've asked God for help, we've left the problem with God, what do we do? Well, Paul says, now you've got some spare brain cells, some space. How about we fill it with some good stuff? Paul's final instruction is to meditate on good things. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Meditate on the things of God. In other words, pick what you ponder. You get to decide which thoughts land and which ones fly away. That's what I did wrong before we went on the camping trip. I researched so much stuff about bear attacks, I just thought everyone encounters a bear. I could not think about anything else. I let it stay there. But we can choose what stays and what goes away. And we do that by worshiping. We do that by reading scripture and God's promises. We do that by listening to uplifting songs. We do that by being careful of what we watch and read and how much we consume from the media. We manage our thoughts. We learn to control what comes in and out of our brains. Just because something comes up doesn't mean you have to leave it there. A pastor had a really long flight from one place to another. And the first warning of the approaching problem came with a sign on the airplane that fl flashed, fasten your seatbelts. And then after a while, a calm voice said, we won't be serving beverages at this time as we are expecting some turbulence. Please remain seated with your seatbelts fastened. And as this pastor looked around the aircraft, it became obvious that many of the passengers were becoming apprehensive. And then the storm broke. The cracks of thunder could be heard even above the roar of the engines. Lightning lit up the dark skies, and within moments, that great plane was like a cork tossed around in the ocean. One moment, the airplane was lifted on terrific currents of air, and then the next, it dropped as if it were about to crash. 
the pastor shared the discomfort and fear of those around him. As he looked around the plane, he saw that nearly all the other passengers were upset and alarmed. Some were praying. And then he saw a little girl. Apparently, the storm meant nothing to her. She was reading a book, and everything within her small world was calm and orderly. Sometimes she closed her eyes, but then she'd open them again and keep reading as if she had no worry or fear in the world. When the plane lurched this way and that as it rose and fell with frightening severity, when all the adults were scared half to death, this little girl was completely composed and unafraid. The minister could hardly believe what he was seeing. So when they finally arrived at the airport, he went up to this little girl and asked her why was she not afraid. And she replied, because my daddy's the pilot. <laughs> and he's taking me home. There are many kinds of storms that throw us around. Physical, mental, financial, domestic. There's many storms that cause worry and anxiety to well up within us. It's much easier to be at rest when our feet are firm on the ground than when we are being tossed about in a darkened sky. But wait, may we remember that God, our creator, is the pilot. God is in control and taking us home. Amen.